0: Welcome to the podcast of Local Community Church. Thanks for joining us. This recording is from one of our online services while we're unable to meet together. We hope it will encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. Hey everyone, welcome to church. So good to be with you today on another Sunday session.
1: Yeah, we look forward to being able to meet with you um, each second Sunday and don't know about you guys, but... We're starting to get in some form of rhythm of what this new normal looks like.
0: Yeah, awesome. So we're going to move on to our our teaching today, which is working through Acts. And we're up to Acts chapter 8, which is really exciting. Lots of things we could have picked in there. But we're actually going to focus on the story of Philip, who is called by God to go to a place and meets this Ethiopian. And so let's read that um, from Acts chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 26. If I can find my Bible, there we go. So Acts chapter eight, verse 26. And it says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And that's a pretty cool scripture to read. And I think partly because it's an example of what life was like in the early church. And I think it's an example of what life can look like now. And what I mean by that is we're just kind of going along in daily life. The Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, I want you to go and do that. And in that situation, it was to go and meet uh, an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading scripture going, I don't understand. And it's like, well, let me explain what that means. And the result was that person got baptized and becomes part of the kingdom of God. And it's so exciting. Yeah. And I think that's what our life in the Spirit should look like today. Where is the Spirit guiding us? Yeah. But the thing I guess we want to focus in on is this context of prophecy. See, the eunuch was reading Isaiah, which is a prophetic writing in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And go, well, what does that mean? What does prophetic look like then? What does it look like today? And and how can we apply that to our life? See, that scripture that the the Ethiopian was reading was kind of written 700 years before it actually eventuated what happened for for Jesus. And so that's kind of pretty interesting. So I think when it comes to prophecy, we need to think about two types. Um, The first is um, where... uh, Word comes from the Lord for a large group of people, Um, and it might be a nation or a church Mm -hmm. or something. And a lot of the prophetic writings we read about were prophets speaking literally to the whole nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. The other part of prophecy that we're going to look at today is the prophetic word that God might give you as a spiritual gift for someone to encourage them all. Comfort them or motivate them, and so we're going to touch on that today, and just think about what we can learn from this story of the, the Philip and uh, of Philip and the Ethiopian. So we're going to look first at this idea of the the prophetic that comes to a large group of people, or to the world, or, or to a nation, or something like that. Mm. And what's really interesting is that so many of these prophetic writings that we have in the Bible all point towards Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, and literally they are the for me, it's like part of the proof that Jesus is who he said he was. Um, And what's amazing is that it's easy for us to read this and go, well, it all kind of makes sense. But those writing sometimes are written um, like there's something even in Genesis that point towards Jesus and you know 500 years 700 years before it happened I mean it is it is amazing and it's it's highly specific so let me just read out a couple and some of them for me they just blow my mind away um, so we read and I, I might um, I'll, I'll put out these scriptures as well if you like this kind of thing and want to follow them but we won't read them all I just reference what they what they are um, so in Micah it says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem Isaiah says his mother will be a virgin as also says that he'll perform miracles hosea says he'll spend time in egypt and we know that when um, jesus was born mary and joseph fled Mm. to egypt Um, and it says in Genesis that he will come from the line of Judah. So thinking about the 12 tribes, um, the line of Judah, that, that family line, um, which is where Jesus came from because he ultimately came from the line of David, who was part of Judah. Um, in Samuel, it says that David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. Yeah. Psalm says, uh, he'll teach using parables. Um, Isaiah says that Jesus would be preceded by a forerunner, um, which we know is John the Baptist. Um, and this is where it gets really specific in Zechariah it says that he would be betrayed for 30 wow. pieces of silver I mean that's what happened how do you yeah. know that all that time before It's amazing. Um, Sam says his hands and his feet would be pierced which they were through the crucifixion Sam also says um, that they would cast lots for yes. his clothing which is what happened when Jesus was crucified and and it goes on and, on and on I mean there is literally hundreds of reference points like that and and I think that you know, what, what does that mean? Okay, that's great. And that's, for us, it's reaffirming of our faith and what we believe. But I think if we go back to this story of the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian pointed something out that was really important. He says, how can I explain these writings if if no one, how can I understand these writings if no one actually explains them to me? And so I think if we have some understanding of scripture our role is to explain them to people Absolutely, like it, it literally is so defining these ancient writings mm. that jesus was the messiah and if they're true and we believe them we have to start thinking around well what is the message that's yeah. in here and so that that's kind of our role just like philip explained now um just a little kind of side note here we uh many years ago, wrote a series which we've called Christian Stuff, which was trying to explain the basics of Christianity. And last year, with the help of Sharon and Ange, Um, we've repackaged those and put some really high quality videos together that go through these six sessions. Mm. And what we thought, someone suggested uh, that it would be great that in our Sunday sessions, why not premiere each of these six videos? And so we're going to do the first one of those today at the end of our session, before we go into our virtual kind of hangout, virtual foyer, um, we're going to watch the first one. And it's kind of really relevant to this because the first topic is about the Bible. It only goes for four or five minutes um, and it's visually awesome. Thanks Mm to those guys putting it together. Um, But it's this point of the the historic truth and accuracy of the Bible, if we know it, that's part of how we've got to talk to people, explain it to them, just like Philip did to the, Mm. the Ethiopian. Okay, the other thing I just wanted to touch on relative to these ancient writings is they're not just all about proof of the Messiah. They kind of have a lot of the time this dual purpose where they were talking to, you know, there was an author writing to a group of people at a specific point in time and they're writing to those people, but at the same time, they're prophetic in that they translate for us today. Um, Now, there's lots of examples, but one that I really like that we often talk about comes from Jeremiah 29. So let's just touch there uh, quickly. Now, before I read that, let me give you some context here. Jeremiah was writing to the Israelite people. And at that stage, and again, this is uh, 586 BC, and he's basically saying, you Israelites have been... exiled from your home Mm. and you're going to go to a place which is Babylon and that's not your home it's a foreign place but during this time God is saying to settle there and to make that your home Mm. and one day there's a promise that you'll come back to your homeland. Now Babylon was a physical place it's actually near Iraq in today's terms and it made sense for those people but in the same way it's also prophetic for us and what we need to think about that is Babylon represents the earth or the world. And if we think about that, heaven is actually our real home. Mm. So right now we are exiled into Babylon, into earth. It often represents that. And and this prophetic writing says that one day we'll go back to our home. We'll settle in our home, in our heavenly place. But right now we've got to live in this foreign place. And so suddenly when you read that scripture with that context, it looks very different. So let me read it. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. And it says, Uh, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So think about us, from our home in heaven to Babylon, our, our earthly place. So what do we have to do? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And it goes on and on, but that's kind of really cool because I think. Um, isn't that true for us? We should yeah. care about the welfare of the place that we live. It's Absolutely. not our real home. We should pray for that place. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of one piece of how we can think about uh, the prophetic um, in scripture. But Kylie's now going to share with us a bit of that more personal thing. What does prophecy yeah. look like today where we're prophesying with one another? So,
1: Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this and I was actually remembering when I was a lot younger and um Prophecy actually was something I was a little bit nervous about. Um, We actually had someone in our church who was clearly prophetically gifted and I would get nervous when I was around them thinking, what's God going to show them or what they're going to have to tell me? And it sounds crazy now, but what it actually highlighted is that I didn't fully understand the heart of God and the heart of prophecy. And so I just wanted to take a moment to read with you from 1 Corinthians 14, because it actually there highlights exactly what prophecy is about. And it says to us to follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And then Paul actually goes on to say, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort, and it edifies the church. So how awesome is that? We are, there are so many gifts of the Spirit, but we are actually encouraged to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy because it's a gift that strengthens, encourages and comforts both individuals and the group. So if we're told to eagerly desire a gift of the Spirit and especially prophecy, what does it look like in our lives? And I was thinking about Uh, In the physical, when I eagerly desire something, you know, it might be coming up to your birthday and there's something you want and you research what the version is that you want of it and then you start talking about it or I drop hints to Derek to see if he's and then I think about it and I hope that I'm going to receive it. And there's this real eager desire that builds up in the hope that I'm going to receive this gift. But what does that look like when we think about it spiritually? Because to eagerly desire something spiritually, and I I think there's three keys that um, are good for us to just look at if the gift of prophecy is something we want to eagerly desire in our life. And the first one is that we eagerly pursue it. So what does it mean to eagerly pursue something? Well, it's got to start with prayer. Mm. You know, this is a gift from God to us or from the Holy Spirit to us. So we need to ask him for it. It's, it's okay to go to God your father and, and desire something that is a gift that he has that's available. But I think in the midst of that, obviously the gift of prophecy takes faith and it takes boldness. So to be praying that he would increase our faith and our boldness and also praying that in that time we would actually just grow in hearing his voice Because like the scripture Derek shared, you know, Philip heard God prompt him to go over there. And so we need to be attuned to hear God's voice in the little things and the big things so that we start really recognizing it. And um, we can hear that through word. We can see pictures. There's so many different ways, but actually be pursuing him Mm, in knowing his voice more. Yeah. I think the other thing you can also do in that is maybe ask people who have the gift of prophecy that are in your life to pray for you to receive it. That's okay as well. That's the body of Christ working. You know, you ask them to pray for you too. So firstly, we need to eagerly pursue the gift. And secondly, we need to eagerly learn about the gift. You know, it's, there's so many places we can go whilst it's a gift from God and we always need to remember that it's about him, not us. It's about him giving a word for us to share on his behalf, we can still learn how to operate with him in that. It's like we've talked about other times, you know, we're still his hands. And so how do we work with him the best? And so the first one I'd say is go to the word of God. You know, there's 18 prophetic books in the Old Testament between the major and the minor prophets. And then books like Acts and Corinthians, we can read where people reference prophecy or Give new prophecy. You know, we read actually that there was four daughters who were all prophetically gifted. You know, there's so many references to it, mm-hmm. and so actually read them though with the new eyes to learn about prophecy. What can I learn from Isaiah when he prophesied? What can I learn from Hosea when there was prophecy? How can I actually learn about this? And then also there's so many resources around. So I'd encourage you be wise in the resources you read, but where they're reputable. Read about um, prophecy, learn about it, have a hunger to understand it more. And then a bit like prayer, if you've got people in your world who you trust and who operate in the prophetic, ask them to share their journey with you. You know, we do that in so many other areas of life. If someone's good at something we're trying to learn about, we'd ask them for their tips and tricks. But it's like, ask someone to share their journey with you. What are their learnings? What are their encouragements? What are the things that they would actually speak into your world Mm. to help you learn about the gift of prophecy? And then, so we're eagerly pursuing it. We're eagerly learning about it. And then the final one is the rubber hits the road. We've got to eagerly practice it. You know, and this is where we said under the pursuing it, we need to be praying for faith and boldness. Well, this is where that comes in. You know, when you get that prompting, actually stepping out in faith and sharing it with somebody, you know, it helps in these moments to remember it's not your word, it's God's word for the person. And sometimes it is literally just one word. We've seen situations of this at church and you'll get the word and you're like, oh, that sounds crazy. I can think of one now where someone had running shoes years ago, but it was exactly what that person needed to hear and it had a message for them from God. So trust him, trust him in it and start in safe environments. You know, maybe ask God for a word for your partner or your friend or your family or your children, people that know your heart and know that you're learning. And you know, and again, have grace for you in that. Life space is a fantastic environment to practise doing prophetic words. And I think just one thing I um, thought it would be good to point out at the end is just some great checkpoints when you're sharing prophetic words. So the first is always tested against the word and the character of God. Mm, A word from God will never contradict his word or who he is. So that's a great starting place. Then go back to Corinthians. Is the word encouraging? Is it strengthening? Is it comforting? We're told that that's the purpose of these prophetic words. So check it against that. And then I would also just as another checkpoint, double check God, am I meant to be sharing this with that person or did you actually show me that to pray for them? You know, cause that's often a good place to go as well. And if you feel you've got the green light for sharing it, then two things that I've always done when I share a prophetic word is say, this is what I believe God is saying for you. You know, that's my heart. I'm not going to say thus says the Lord, but this is what I believe God is saying for you. And then I encourage the receiver to actually take the word to God you know, it's great for them to get confirmation of that. And that encourages them always to look to God, not to the person that brings the prophecy. Mm. So ultimately, to have the opportunity to be used by God to share a word that encourages, strengthens and comforts is such a privilege and makes total sense that we would actually be encouraged by Paul to Eagerly desire this and be used by God in that way. Yeah,
0: no, that's awesome. So, so good. What were those three? So eagerly. So
1: eagerly pursue it. Eagerly learn about it, and eagerly practice yeah, it.
0: Awesome, that's so good. Yeah. And look, what, why, why are we talking about prophecy? Well, I think ultimately it, it glorifies God. Yeah. It's in the Bible that glorifies God, and we see a pattern of the prophetic. Uh, but also, as Kylie was reading, when when we prophesy to people in our world. It demonstrates God's love for them through Mm. those words of encouragement and comfort and motivation. And so we don't want to just read about it and and then not do that. We want to act on the things that we see, and that's what I love about working through this book of Acts. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has encouraged and inspired you in your faith journey.
1: If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church.